I went and watched the show. Well, when I watched the show, I was like, oh my goodness me. How am I going to do this? This was crazy. It was so full on. I did panic. I thought, how am I going to do this? I've never acted in my life. I've never acted with anyone. I'm not a dancer. So all these things, I was watching the show and all that was going into my head thinking, how am I going to do this? And I thought, wow, Leisha, this is a challenge and a half. This is more than a challenge for me. Hello, hello, I'm Tunde and welcome to How I Crushed It, the podcast that shines a light on talent in the community. If you're a new listener or even if you're a regular listener, please remember to share the podcast with friends or family. My guest today is Alicia Paul Moses. Alicia is a singer and performer. And at the time of recording, she is playing the lead in the West End hit Tina, the Tina Turner musical. In the podcast, she talks about teaching herself how to sing as a kid. We touch on the subject of domestic violence, being on TV shows, The X Factor and The Voice, and obviously how she got to become Tina Turner on the West End stage in London. Now, she mentions the name of Tom during the interview and see if you can guess which Tom she's talking about. Okay, so welcome to the show today, Alicia. How are you doing, Alicia? <laughs> yes, I'm very good, actually. The, yeah, the sun is shining, so I am actually good. Fantastic. We we mentioned earlier before we uh, press record that you're, you're doing your taxes at the moment. How boring is that? <laughs> <laughs> boring? Boring's not the word. Yeah, I don't ever, I don't ever want to hear that 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 word really. That that tax, that sound. Ah, but yeah, we will have to do it. So, um, but yeah, no, it's that's done and sorted. And uh, yeah, <laughs> for another year, and it comes back yeah. around next year, doesn't it? Always like clockwork. But uh, no, really good to to get you on the show. As we always do with our with our guests, we go right back to the start, and really keen to to find out a bit more about you growing up. I, I understand that you. You were born in Hampshire and you grew up in Surrey. Is that is that right? Well, it's, yeah. So basically, I, I was born in Redhill in Surrey, but I did I lived in Hampshire as well. I've lived everywhere. When your dad's a a builder, then um, you kind of have to go where where he chooses to buy a place and does it up. <laughs> so yeah, from young I lived in Surrey in a place called um, Brockham or Dorking. So as I said, we've moved around quite a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, the, the typical kind of, you know, out on your bikes and playing in the fields and getting into mischief. But, you know, not as you see it now on your iPhones and stuff like that. We didn't have any of that. So, yeah, it um, started way back when when I was a, a little girl in my singing, if that's what you, you kind of well, edging towards. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we're, we're edging towards that, but I was going to to ask before you got into singing, I know you, you kind of started it about eight or nine, but before that, what kind of uh, kid were you? Were you one of those that was always in front of your, your friends and family performing or were you quite no. shy? You weren't, okay. No way, no way. I didn't, no, I was not like that. I was quite tomboyish actually. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was out playing outside on the bike. Um, you know, you, you get the little youth club thing. So it was all, like, a, lot, a lot of us kids were, were doing that kind of thing. But yeah, no, I wasn't very, I'm not, like it, to to do what I do now, I was never I was never that kind of girl. I wasn't I was always outgoing, but you wouldn't ever get me standing up 
singing or doing things in front of people. I think that was, for me, it was really embarrassing. So I never, I never did anything like that. It was more, you know, playing or sports and stuff like that for me. I see. I see. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I've, I've got a bit of an acting background myself and I, I was yeah very shy as a kid and it, it only came out towards when I got into my 20s, really. So everybody has their own journeys. And actually, for a lot of actors, people are quite surprised that quite a few actors or singers are, are actually quite shy, aren't they? Not, not everybody's like really outgoing and stuff like that. No. So. Yeah, I think that's the misconstruction. That's the, the kind of thing that I think people do think that, you know, if you're a singer or a dancer, actor, you're kind of like, yeah, fully out there. And, you know, but that's, that's you know, it's just the personality, I suppose, the, of how you are. But, yeah, for me, I, you would never know. Like, even now, like, if I was out, I, you wouldn't you know. Everyone put, people know what people's jobs are, but you really wouldn't know that I would do what I do because of how I am. So, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I've done my research. Oh, I've tried to do a bit of research, and I understand that you're you've got some Ghanaian background. Is that is that right? Yeah, it's my dad's side. And how how, how did the Ghanaian side impact you, or ha- has it impacted you at all in in your life? Well, no. Do you know what I I've grown up and I grew up with a white community, and I lived in Dorking, um, and we went to school, Ashkham School. There was only, there was me, my sister, another black family. And yeah, I think that was about it. And so most, everyone was actually white. So I never, I never, and you know what? I never experienced anything that was negative or anything like that. And like towards me, my dad or anything, I never, I never saw it, it, you know. And so he didn't really speak about, well, he didn't, he didn't talk about his background um, and stuff. He's very man's man, very, very, you know, get up, go to work. And I rate my dad so much. Um, he's not here anymore. But I take a lot of, I suppose, how he was in what I do. Um, so I, growing up in a white community, I've not really had that experience of that background, even though my, um, my dad's side of that family is is from Ghana. And, and he's like the everything for me. Like his work ethnic, how he was, how he behaved, how he presented himself was just amazing. And, and and I've learned so much from just watching what he would do. And, you know, he no matter whether he was ill, tired, whatever, he would get up, go to work, bring home the money. You know, he was a very, very hard worker. And, and I suppose that's from how his background, his heritage and how he was is installed into me and I've always never given up on anything like everything that I've done like I wasn't like for me academic not good like school I wasn't great at school very short attention span um I'm very here there and everywhere um so growing up for me in school in that side of things wasn't that great but I always had this drive in me to whatever I wanted to do I would do it and no matter how kind of scared I was I'd still go and do it because I watched my dad and I saw him doing these things so I think not having that cultural I had it from him even though I didn't have it if you get me and even if he didn't speak about it I think I got it from him yeah and I know I know you've mentioned elsewhere I think it was maybe another um, interview that some of your childhood was quite tricky and you know we don't have to go into detail but I know that you also mentioned that kind of singing was a bit of 
bit of a relief for you, a bit of a bit of a sanctuary for you. How, how was it a bit of a sanctuary for you? How did it help you get through that period? Um, yeah, I suppose it's hard, isn't it? I, you know, to completely open. I suppose I should do a book really to say the knuck <laughs> and put it all in there later on. But yeah, I suppose it was. You know, you know, it was a little bit difficult, um, and there was times where I, you know, would take sanctuary in music. And that's, I think, where it started. You know, it took me away. It, it took me away from what was happening outside of the bedroom, of my bedroom into, you know, some, you know, arguments and stuff like that and, and stuff. So it was quite tricky. I don't, I kind of, yeah, I probably won't say too much about that, but it, it was a little bit difficult. Um, and I think for me, I took myself away into that space and it was, it was kind of my safe space, I suppose. So from starting to sing and started to mimic, that's how I taught myself how to sing was mimicking other singers. The harder it was, the more that I wanted to sound like them or the harder it was for me to think I can't do that, then I'd want to do it even more. So it kind of, I had my own drive to do things. It wasn't, you know, my mum and dad were very much doing what they did. It wasn't very, I, I wanted to, I started off wanting to do sports. So I wanted to, to do athlete. I wanted to be an athlete at first. But, you know, at that, then I don't know if it was that time, but for me, I, didn't, I wasn't taken to any sports thing or whatever. And the direction wasn't really there. It was elsewhere because of obviously the circumstances that we were in, in the space that I was in. So it was very much, I would have I have to have my own motivation as my sister so it was my own drive my own motivation to start myself singing I didn't know why I I didn't know where it was going to take me I didn't know I was in the space where I never knew how to even go from my from me singing in my bedroom to singing on stage or singing on, on a on the radio I didn't even know how I was going to happen but I just loved to do it so for me, it was, you know, just that was how it started. Um, I just used to mimic like other singers yeah, over and over again. That's how I taught myself how to sing. So even though you enjoyed it, did you have an idea in your mind back then of a career path? Like, oh, I, you know, I want to become a singer when I'm an adult. It's, it was just something you enjoyed. It was just something I enjoyed. Um, and I love films. I used to watch films over and over and over again. Like The Goonies was one of my favourite films. And, you know, I learned, I'd know every line. Um, I used to watch film. Like, it was very much, that was my getaway space. And so it become what I love to do. But I obviously, I had, I could do it. I must have been able to just naturally be able to sing anyway. I didn't know I could naturally act. And so throughout, you know, growing up and then I, my sister worked in London, an old club called Elysium, and lots and lots of like singers and and people would go down there, and she used to get talking to them because she used to work there. And uh, this was me growing up a lot. This is us a few years gone on now. And she actually got me in touch with a guy called Ronson, which was Sugar Bay's manager, and we started doing music back then. So it, that was my little link into that kind of career path that way. But I I also had audition to do girl groups as well um so it's it's very vague because I'm 42 now so this was way back when I was like 16 17 uh, or whatever it was okay. so the timeline is a bit, <laughs> bit hazy. terrific yeah <laughs> but um it did start way back you know I think I was six 
16 when I was in 16, I think, when I was in my first girl group. Um, it was called Tease, which is horrendous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, with a Z as well, my vice versa. Oh, great, great. <laughs> but yeah, it just, um, it flowed. Like naturally, it kind of moved that way. It could have gone anyway, but it didn't. It moved that way and it and it, it kept on doing that. And I, I don't know whether that was because I was always supposed to do this, what I'm doing now, or, you know, I don't know. But it just seemed to, to just gravitate that way. So, And what, what did your family think about you wanting to sort of go in, in that direction? Were they, were they supportive or were they like, you know, Alicia, it's, it's a difficult business, try something else? What was that? No, view? I mean, uh, yeah, no. I mean, I think I just, you know, whatever I did, like, I was very passionate about things. And it always, and when I'm passionate about something, it normally nine times out of 10 comes off and it works. And I suppose I just did what I did. I was, I'm the youngest. So I think the, the youngest gets away with the most, don't they? They do. They do. <laughs> so they were always happy for, for what I what I was doing. They just kind of let me get on with it, I suppose, like always, I think. And it was just, again, my my own drive, my own self-belief uh, even though it was hard at first to you know the self-belief because it was only me in myself which is you know everyone can be outside you know cheering for you but it's your own internal self-belief that you have to you know you have to have enough of to to do these things because it is you are out there in front of people and there can be a lot of criticism and you know and that's that's what we throw ourselves into especially now with that you know everything is online media photos videos here there and everywhere so yeah back then it wasn't so much but um but yeah I they were always supportive in that way yeah and again in fact just what you've said I guess in in some ways back then it was a bit easier because as you say there was no social media or not maybe not as much social media so therefore you know you're not getting comments and people's views coming through and you know it's very hard to not sort of read those things isn't it if if your name's mentioned so would would you agree things are slightly things were slightly easier in terms of actually progressing and trying to make your way yeah definitely I think I I mean people a lot of people would probably say no because obviously you've got easier links to things to be able to do now but back then you didn't I think it was you didn't have so much distraction and I think you was there was more uniqueness back then where you know a lot of because I started off doing my singing I was never in acting I started so you know it was always trying to create something that was new where now you're saturated with so much that it's like what becomes unique everything is everything is unique now so what makes you different from somebody else and back then it was like well what I did an album and I had my head shaved I had a blue Mohican it was just it was more distinctive, I think. I think now, which is lovely now that everyone is, is feels free to be able to express themselves in any which way possible. But I think in the sense of creating something that was, that is like when you had the Whitney, you had the Tina, the Rolling Stones, these people, very distinctive, you know what their sound is. And now it just becomes just, I think, and the self-confidence, I suppose, is a little bit different. I think now you have TikTok, you have all these different things and there's a lot of, if someone doesn't like something, 
it's quite easy to just be like tap 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 tap. I don't like that. that, that, that. And and then that's straight away going to bring that person's confidence down or whatever. You know, so I in, in one way it's easy to get your music out, get your stuff out what you want, like very easy. But in another way, it can it's kind of can be detrimental to that person's self being and how they feel about something. So for me, I learned way way back never to read any comments. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, that's that's amazing. If it's on my if it's on my Instagram, if it's on my thing and someone will put it, I will heart it and you know, there's I never ever really get anything just because you always you have thousands and thousands of reviews and things, but you'll just get that one and that's the one that will stick in your head and that's the one that makes you feel but it's just one. And it's just one person out of how many facts that everyone's got an a title to their opinion as well so you can't take that away from somebody but for me I don't read any because I just think for me I know where I want to go I know what I want to do and as long as you know there's I don't want to offend anyone I don't want to I don't like to to do anything like that (laughs) and I hope I you know I hope I don't say things sometimes I you know you know sometimes it's hard to know how what to say or how to say something without coming across as you know but hopefully you know yeah so that that's for me for not reading anything like that helps I think that's really really good advice not to not to read the reviews but it's so tempting and many people they just can't help themselves but yeah I think that's wise wise words so you got so uh, um, I don't know if you got signed, but you certainly started writing with a with a record company around about the age of seventeen. So, at that point, did you think you had made it, or what? What were you feeling at that time? I think for me, I've always been this kind of person that's you go through life and you do things, and you know, at a young age, doing in this in the music industry, and and then trying to make it and not making it and making, not making it and, you know, being there right on the edge, but just not making it. And that's happened quite a lot. Um, but I've never stopped to, I never got down about it. If you get me, I just, I just thought that was not my time. And it's hard to tell someone that when they have a no or, you know, sorry, not this time, we don't want you this time, because they feel that, you know, everything's, they've not done, worked hard enough, they've not done the right thing, but it's just actually, it's timing. The majority of these things are always timing, it's just not the right time, and it's just not the right time for you kind of thing. So I've always felt like that, and I've always known that from young because of how things have panned out in my life, because if something's a no something is a yes that's going to be later on down the road that was going to, it's going to be so much better for you than what you was going to take the first time. So me doing all the, the TV shows and stuff and getting, you know, getting through on X Factor and then not getting through, you know, to the live shows, you know, on The Voice, all these things didn't gut me, if you get me. It just made me think, right, let's go. Let's, let's, what's, the next, let's, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Because... My path has always been on this journey with the music, with the acting, with this kind of thing. So I knew and I've always felt that that, you know, that was where I was going to go. So, yeah, I just, for me, as much as hard as it is to stay positive and and know where you want to go, where you want to be and have these goals, I think. Yeah, I think it's important for, for, for most people. In fact, a lot of people that have come on this show, 
have said that goals are are actually really important because it gives you that sense of direction, uh, some, something to work towards. So I think it is really, I think it is really important. Now, what I'm less sure about is you started writing with this record company, and then fast forward 2008, you were backing for Andy Abraham on the on Eurovision. But I'm not sure what happened between those two those two dates, like. What, what can you give us some sense of like how what your life was during those two time periods? Okay, so when I was seventeen, there was a period of my life that I wasn't at home, and I was with someone that wasn't very nice. He's not here anymore either. Um, he's passed away um, a good few years ago now due to drug addiction, and yeah, I was with him for a few years and it wasn't the best time I can say <laughs> um yeah it's only because now I'm I'm free from all that and 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 now I'm I'm in such a, a good place to go back to that place is kind of like oh and I was only young as well so being with someone who was uh, an abuser and who was that was abusive to me physically, mentally, everything, um, was very hard, and especially at the age that I was. And, yeah, and, you know, I believe in the universe. My thing is is that I'm very much that kind of, that's my God, if you get me. And so, but this time I, I had, every day that I was with him, I I prayed to Mary. <laughs> I don't know don't I don't know why. I just had her in my head just to keep me safe and to to not let me go down a bad path. And the whole time I didn't as much as what he did to me and everything that happened and was really really bad. I was safe even though I wasn't safe, but I made it out of out of that situation. Because that could have, I could have ended up like him. You know, I could have ended up with words that I don't even want to use. Do you see what I'm saying? So that, for me, was the hardest time. I mean, but I made it out of that and I was okay. There was a lot, obviously, mentally and, you know, that comes with that. But um, I think I'm I'm quite strong willed and strong not then I wasn't but I am now um and I know what I always wanted to do I always knew that I didn't want to be in that space even though it was not through my own doing um but yeah so I got out of that and um I don't know after that I think I I just I come back to I was back with my mum and my dad and and stuff and then I don't know what happened from there I think you know just getting another job and stuff and then reworking then I then I started what did I do I was I met a wonderful man called Nicky Graham who managed me and he managed Bross and Darius with uh, his wife Denny Lou as well they both managed me and my sister for for a short time and then Nicky ended up getting stuff on uh, the BBC, uh, Making Your Mind Up. And then that's how I worked with Andy Abraham, 
who is an absolutely amazing man. I cannot speak any more highly of him. He is brilliant. And his wife, Denise. <laughs> that When I went to Serbia with them, we had, we was there for, what was it, like 10 days? And uh, I had the best 10 days ever. It was brilliant. And I mean, you know, from going from what happened previous to then coming out of it and then getting these nice little gig things coming out was was great and yeah and then you know working with Lionel Richie and backing singing for him and and stuff so yeah then it just started to go uphill I think from from there but yeah Andy great guy you you need to have him on he's great absolutely fantastic guy (laughs) I mean he's still touring right he's still sort of touring the country or yeah he does yeah I think he does um like kind of rap pack kind of thing i think Ah, okay yeah we'll we'll have to try and get him on the uh on the show so at this time you're, you've got a real sense that your music career is, is moving forward but i also know that you were doing sort of like jobs to pay the bills and yeah after doing um the shows and the tv stuff and that and then i started you know because when you're out doing your own music you don't really get paid well for doing your own stuff it's just that way. You know, as soon as you've made it, then it's a different story. But for me, I hadn't. I'd done a couple of albums. I worked, I was with a guy called Peter Biker in Denmark. I did an album there and we we, we, we did that little showcase in the stuff and, and for, you know, the major labels and stuff. But they, you know, that was a no. But it, even then it didn't, didn't put me off. Um, and, and why? Why do you think it was a no at that time? Was it was it a question of timing again, like like you've referred to earlier? Or yeah, I don't know. I mean, I you know everyone's got their own path. I think. Yeah. And I think you know it depends what they have, what's current, what's not, what they want, what they're looking for. And so I think it is timing. It's it's you know I think it is that it didn't dishearten me again. It's just wasn't the right time. Um, there was plenty of times and opportunities that I, I've had that I've taken and that it's worked and, and stuff. It's just always seemed to, it may, it just probably wasn't for me. And that was, and you know, and to be, you know, in the music business or to be on that, probably, probably that wasn't, probably maybe that wasn't the right time for me then. It might not be the right time for me now, you know. And what was the right time was how it then started to filter through. And I started then to do, I went into my mate's club in Brighton and they were saying about, doing some music and I did a couple of nights there and then we were saying about doing why don't you do like a tribute and I thought wow why don't I do a tribute I know like my friend Robert said before Rob Searle who I used to do well, I still do music with him now um dance music and we've had a couple of club chart number club number one club charts let me just say not the official not not, not official not official like the, the official you know, on the radio but the, the club chart so that's fine I'm, I'm happy with that <laughs> Oh, we'll, have to, we'll have to seek those out and put it, put them on the on the show notes. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. One of them was actually um, what happens in Vegas uh, was if you love me. It was a cover of Lucy Pearls, so yeah, that was quite cool. Yeah. So then I decided to see if I could do Whitney. So I, I went home. Literally, I went home that night and uh, I got the backing track to um, "It's Not Right But It's Okay" of Whitney, and I I put the vocal down and I thought do you know what? I can do this. I could actually, I could do this. I know Whitney is really hard, but I was, that's who I mimicked to. That's who I, that's her, you know, Mariah Carey, all these people that I, when I was younger, I taught myself how to sing. So when I started to do it, I was like, well, this is, I can do this. 
And so what I did was I then got all the, the backing tracks, started learning the songs, and then I started getting little outfits. Back then, the, my outfits were awful. The wig was awful. <laughs> it was so bad. But I thought, well, I've got to do something. So I did. And then I did, I, I think I did about, what was it, half an hour set? Oh, my goodness me. Singing Whitney, even singing one of her songs out live, because obviously you practice in your room and stuff like that. But singing it out, Wow. So I was like, well, I need to do a lot more work. I need a lot more stamina. And I just built it from there. And then from then on, um, I think my friend filmed me in the club. I put it on Facebook and it was just a real rubbish video. And then from that, I started having people calling me to say, can you sing at my pub? Can you sing at my bar? Can you?" And it just started from then. It started from that just a little video that I posted up and I'd never done any promo, nothing. And then I started getting gigs and I thought, well, how do I get more gigs far and wide? And then I found an agent, was a tribute agent. And then they used to then just put me out. And then I used to start driving up. I I got my speakers, a little mixer, microphone. And then, yeah, I just started going up and down north and south, east, west and doing gigs myself, going up, setting up my speakers and uh, yeah, doing all that. And I did that for a bit. And then I started doing Tina because I was like, well, if I can do Whitney, let me see if I can do Tina. And obviously they're completely different sounding voices. And uh, yeah, I just, I did the same thing. I got the clothes, I got the, the songs, the backing tracks. And then I, I mixed them both because I found that it was very female orientated, the Whitney, and it was more bringing in the male and the female in, you know, a mixed into the, with the Tina. So I just put them together and I did the first set of Whitney and the second set of Tina. And that was it. Then I had my sets and I went out and I did that for like three years, I think. And then from that, I got an audition to do Whitney Queen of the Night, which was a theatre show, which was touring the UK and everywhere else, well, abroad as well. But by the time I had got the audition, I was actually four months pregnant um, with Teddy, with my little one, my little youngest. And so I did the audition and I was like, oh, I just have to let you know that I am four months pregnant. And uh, they were like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. So they he held, held on and then I had Teddy and then I called him and I said, well, I've had my daughter now. And then... I had her in September and then by April I was in the tour. So yeah, I, I was in the tour and then we, then I was doing Whitney and then from then on I was like, well, I can do Tina. And then we built a whole Tina show, which was called What's I've Got to Do With It. So yeah, we built that around, yeah, what I could do. So they built the show around, around you. I mean, how, how fantastic is that? Well, they built, so basically, yeah, so I said, well, I can do Tina, and then that's it. So then we, we got all the songs, and then the MD, Mike Paget is amazing, and we did all the music, and then as the show was done, basically, from how I was. So it was lovely to, to be able to to build a show that was my input as well, and that, so that was lovely. And then, yeah, and then from, from then, I was in that for quite a while, 
for another, I think, two years. So altogether, I think it was like four years, I think. So how, how, how is that being constantly on tour for four or five years? You know, you, as you mentioned, you're going around to different theatres up and down the country. I mean, you know, you've got, you've got a guaranteed gig now, but even so, touring can be quite sort of draining on the energy, you know, you're away from family. How, how, how did you find that period? Yeah, it is hard, to be fair. And I think I learned to, which I'm not sure if that's me, I think probably is people with kids or, you know, families that do this, They you kind of have this shut-off button where as soon as you kind of leave the door, and it's like your work mode. So I go into this kind of like, at first, at first it was very hard. I couldn't, I didn't really want to go. It was, you know, my kids didn't want to, yeah, but, but then it was, it would, and it, it was never like long periods. It was like three days or four days, then two days, you know, stuff like that. And then I'll be back. The longest that I was away from them was three weeks. And that was later, later, later. So the girls were already used to me being away and stuff like that. But I was always, you know, if I was back, it was taken to school as well. You know, it was always, as soon as I'm back home, it was back to being mummy again. So, yeah, it was, it is kind of this shut off button you have with doing it. And I don't know how, I don't know whether that's just me as a person, my personality can do that. I don't know. Or, or that might be just how this touring life is. And that's how you have to deal with things. But it just makes it easier um, to not have them feelings of like, otherwise, I, I wouldn't want to leave. Do you know what I mean? You just want to be home with your kids and, and stuff. So, you know, and you know, you've got, you know, you're out there making money. So you, you go into this work mode kind of thing. And the thing is, the shows are great. The traveling is not, you know, it's very tiring. It's like, can be four, five, six, seven hours in a, in a, in a van, touring van. You're at different hotels. You kind of live out from petrol stations. <laughs> it's not that glamorous whereas you think that it might be people think that it is that's only when you know when you're you're, you're major when you're your pinks and your you know your rihanna's and you're in your tour bus and you've got a a shower and a bath and a stuff or whatever in there yeah this is not that kind of tour um, <laughs> but yeah but it is fun it, it was a lot of fun and to perform in all these different theatres was absolutely amazing and to see different, you know, places. And we've, we've been to Poland, Brazil, Sao Paulo. So, you know, it has been, a, was a lot of fun in that respect into seeing different cultures and stuff like that. So that was lovely. But it is hard, not going to lie. It was hard. Now, I know you've, you've kind of skirted over a couple of interesting TV shows that I'm sure everybody would would like to hear a bit more about I mean you were on X Factor obviously for people that don't know and then you were also on The Voice a couple of times so I know that was a bit before that was a few years before the point you've just got to but you want to say anything more about those TV shows and you know how how was it how did it change your life at the time how did you get through that, those periods? Yeah well, the shows I mean the shows are they are great but they're you know they're TV shows which is what it's for. It's for entertainment. And I know that, you know, it's it's great to to do these things. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the workings of how it was done, how I quite like that kind of side of things, the technical side. I'm a bit techie kind of nerdy anyway. So I like not just 
the being on stage. I like to know what's happening and stuff. So it was really interesting to see everything that happens and, you know, even being with the other contestants and stuff and knowing their stories and, you know, what, you know, what, why they're there and, you know, everyone's got a story. But yeah, it, all these shows did to me was just make me thicker skinned and not to worry so much. You know, again, everyone has an opinion. You cannot stop that. So no matter what, you know, on my, I think on was it the first one or the second one, the second time that I was on The Voice, they choose the songs for you to sing as well. And, you know, I had a song that I really didn't kind of, wasn't really that happy with, but, you know, you have to sing, do it. And I didn't like that performance, even though it, Tom turned around, I cringed, you know. For me, it was just like, oh, if, but that's on that's on now. Everyone can see it. Stuff that's you on TV, it's going to be put out there. Don't worry about it. There's, there's so much that, that can put out there, you know, that you might not like or whatever it's just the whole part of it so I think it just teaches you to just be as I say thick-skinned and don't read the comments <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that there's been a lot of comments on why they're like what is she doing or what is she wearing or she didn't even hit that note or this 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 and this and you know and that and and that's the thing everyone's got their opinion so you know yeah, we all do it. We do it. We do it. We don't even realize sometimes. Oh, we do of course. It. Everybody does it. Yeah. Everybody yeah. does it. I mean, that must have been a crazy time though. Cause I, you know, for people that don't know, Alicia was on the same, she was in the same kind of groupings or the same year as uh, Matt Cardle, Cher Lloyd, and obviously One Direction as well. So it's just mad just to think that obviously some of those, particularly One Direction, they've got onto to amazing things. I mean, yeah, it was great. It was good, good, great fun. And yeah, Harry Styles, yeah, was in the year and uh, in the same year. There was a little gang of us because um, everyone's going to it was separate. But Liam was with us. Um, we was all together with me, Liam, Justin Vanderhyde, Tracy, Cohen. And there were some other people as well. But yeah, he was lovely. Liam was lovely. I mean, he was only young. I think when it was, I think, how old was he then? He must have been about 16, 17. But yeah, and it's and that's the thing, isn't it? This is why it's it's not it. It just wasn't my time. It was their time, you know. So this is why it never makes. I never feel like oh, gutted or oh, this is it's so annoying. It's because it, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't right for me, and it wouldn't have been right for me if I had it. And if I did, it might have taken me down this path that I didn't want to go down. So, you know, I think these shows just you know it's they're great to do. They are a lot of fun. But they're only a lot of fun if you understand that they are TV shows and not to get too het up when you don't go through because it's not a, it's not a, against you. It's just about what's happening and someone has to not go through and someone has to go through and that's all it is. So, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm all for them, but, you know, it does make you thicker skinned and it makes you, you know, you know that if you want to keep doing in this business, you've just got to keep going moving forward. That's a very philo- philosophical approach, which, uh, yeah, it's, that's, I mean, it's a great approach to have. So where, where did we get to? We got to you performing Whitney, the, the national tour, and then obviously the uh, national tour for Tina. And then obviously COVID hits, COVID, the pandemic hits. How, how was that for you? Because I guess that put paid to lots of um, creative people's sort of income, didn't it, during that period? Yeah, 
it was literally we was we was at a gig. I think we was quite far up north when this news when the news started to filter through. So we was actually on I think a four or five day run, um, and we was on our last day. So the second to last day, I think we was not sure whether we was actually going to do the actual gig. And the last day, I think it was the 14th of March. After that, it was said that that was it. Everything stopped. And we was we all thought, OK. But we didn't actually realise. We thought it would just be stopped for like a couple of months. We thought a couple of months, that would be it. No, obviously two years or however long it, it lasted for. Um but during that time, obviously, we still there wasn't sure how it was going to be. So, you know, but there was no work. So um, lucky enough, I had saved some money anyway. So that was OK. So we was OK. And my ex-partner who I was with before was a window cleaner. So he actually could still he still could go out and he still did. He was allowed to go out and do what he was doing because he he wasn't actually with anyone. So he didn't see anyone. It was just he was outside. He could do what he did. I think he's had to stop for a while, but then he could go back. And then, yeah, I kind of was like, what am I doing? I need to do something. And I knew that, obviously, the supermarkets and stuff, they were still running. They still needed people to, for delivery. So, I yeah, I applied to work for Asda. And um, at first I was doing the pick picking at three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning and then I decided to do the delivery so yeah I I moved from that to doing deliveries and it was actually do you know what I always worked always worked as much as I and, and doing my music so I've never just done my music and then just done nothing I've always worked and tried to do my music as well um but this time obviously I couldn't do any music so I started working you know faster and doing the the delivery and I I loved it because there was people that couldn't come out and they were older and there was they couldn't have anyone to talk to so we'd they did this really lovely thing that was a badge that we'd wear that would say that we're free to talk so if you wanted to talk while we're delivering you could we're there to, to listen and talk talk to you so I thought that was really lovely and I really enjoyed you know, because we'd have like, 10 people that you'd deliver to. And so you'd, you know, these some half of them didn't speak to anyone because they they were in, they didn't want to leave their doors, they didn't want to leave their houses. So it was actually, it was, I really did enjoy it. And uh, it started getting a little bit more worrying because obviously we thought, wait, are we actually not, am I actually not going to go back to work at all? Is this actually a, for, for real? But I did also know that they were acting people were still filming people were still doing this side of things that was still allowed to happen so I started to because obviously I, I love singing I love music and I love films and stuff like that so I started to to go into acting which I'd never done and I thought look I need what can I do because I'm academically I'm not that great you know not that kind of person so I thought, well, let me try and put my hand to acting. And so I started looking on the online and monologues and, and learning them and then watching myself, recording myself, watching it back. And 
and I thought, well, I can do this, you know, I can do this, I can do this. And then online I found Jack Ryder, who is absolutely amazing. He was uh, in EastEnders way back when. Um, and he's done lots and lots of other things from, from that and, you know, um, directed and theatre and stuff. And he's lovely. Well, for people that don't know, he, he played Jamie Mitchell in, in EastEnders, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's great. He's absolutely great. He's so good. And I found him online and I thought, right, I need to learn everything about acting because I have no clue. I need to learn about self-tapes, uh, character building, like how to do an audition, like everything. I didn't know how to do any of it. Um, to read a script, to what the sides are, all, all of these things, I didn't know. And I put them down and I said, this, I want to learn everything. And so we had, I had sessions with him. It was once a week at first and then it went once every two weeks. And then it, it kind of was, it went like that for about five, six months. And I learned so much from him. And in this time that I had, that I was working Yazda and that I was doing my sessions with Jack um, and that we was going back and forward for his scripts and stuff and he'd give his, his advice on what I was doing and, you know, what not to do and what to do and blah, blah, blah. He was always very encouraging, like always, um, and listened to everything that bit silly, silly questions or whatever. He'd always listen and come back with a constructive answer and, and every, everything that he, he did, I listened to. And eventually COVID stopped and we went back to work. But by the time we'd gone back to work, I'd been home with my girls and I didn't want to tour anymore. I felt I don't want to be away all this time, all the time. And I was always so tired and so so worried about my voice and stuff like that. And then we went back to work and as we went back to work, we had a, a, a flight that we was doing a gig in, I think it was Edinburgh, I think it was. And uh, I was sitting next to Joey, who who was uh, one of the dancer BVs of the show, next to me. And uh, on Spotlight, which is the agent's thing, which just shows what you, you can do, and that's where they post everything, you know, theatre, jobs, TV jobs, everything. At the, at the time, I had an agent, and he pressed on the Spotlight, nudged my agent for the Tina Turner musical, and I was like, Joey, I can't do it. I'm I'm on tour. We we are on at the time that we're gonna we're needed for them, we would be on tour, so I couldn't do it. And then anyway, so I I went to message my agent and said, I'm really sorry, but um we won't I won't be able to do it because I'm 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 on tour at this time. And uh she said, Well, I've already submitted it. <laughs> so I was like, Oh no. So anyway, so she submitted it and it come back with me doing an audition well this is how mad things work because obviously I was still in the tour so every time I got an audition that come through with a Tina musical I was off from the tour so this is why I think things are supposed to be and this is how it, it, it works out so anyway I did do the audition but the first audition that I did it wasn't for Tina it was to be Tina's own sister Eileen and so I thought, okay, brilliant. So I learned all this stuff. And by then, obviously, Jack and the knowledge that I've got from Jack, it was like, okay, brilliant. I know how to read a script. I know how to, you know, decipher everything. So I was like, okay, this is good. 
Jack helped me with the script um, anyway um, and wish me luck. And and this was like my first West End audition. I I don't really audition that much. So for me, West End, first audition. Ah! So I did it and I went in the room and I, I had, had some a reader in there. So I did the script as Eileen. And then they asked me if I could sing some Tina songs. And I said, because obviously I've been at this, at this previous time, I've been touring as Tina and Whitney. So I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course I could sing some Tina songs. So I, I sung a couple of Tina songs and they said, oh, can you sing it as yourself? And I was like, oh. I was like, well, I've never learned any Tina songs and in my own voice because that's not what I do. I do. I sing on tour and I mimic Tina. So I was like, oh, my God, OK. So this was for me a little bit challenging. It was more challenging for me to sing a Tina song in my own voice than it was to sing a Tina song as Tina. So anyway, I did it and it was fine. And they were like, thank you. And I was like, oh, thanks for having me. Blah, blah, blah. I left within an hour, my agent called me back and they said, they want you to come back and they want you to be seen as Tina. And I was like, wow. I was like, okay, this is amazing. And so I was buzzing. I was so excited. And then I thought, well, let's go and watch the show because I'd never seen the show. Obviously I've been on tour and my girls and stuff. So it, it just, when you, when you, when you're on tour, you don't get any time anyway. So anyway, I went and watched the show. Well, when I watched the show, I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness me, how am I going to do this? This was crazy. It was so full on. I thought, wow, how am I? I, I did panic. I thought, how am I going to do this? I've never acted in my life. I've never acted with anyone other than Jack. I've never, I'm not a dancer. I've danced, I learned choreography, but I'm not a dancer. And so all these things, I was watching the show and all that was going into my head thinking, how am I going to do this? And I thought, wow, Leisha, this is a challenge and a half. This is more than a challenge for me. These, so the audition started happening. So this, I was still doing the tour. I was coming back, doing the auditions, but the last audition was in between a run of five and I was like how am I going to do this the last last audition to 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 be invited to with the producers everyone and I thought I'm on I'm on tour I'm I'm literally I'm in Liverpool the oh, night before so you weren't even I, in London you had I to travel oh wow so what I did was I thought right how am I going to do this so basically the agent asked if they could forward the audition for a little bit later so I drove to Liverpool the night before. I So I slept. They'd given me a script to learn literally the day before. So I was like, no. So I was, trying, I was trying to learn it on the way in the car. I was repeating it. I was going over and over and over and over and over on the four-hour drive up there. Got there, stayed the night, did the gig, drove back home that night after the gig. I got home about four or five o'clock in the morning had about two hours sleep, got up at like six because I, I needed to be awake to, for my voice to be okay. But pre- bearing in mind, I just sung Whitney. So in the morning, it's always not great because it's Whitney. Whitney's so hard to sing. So I got up at six, got the train into London. I was there, I think, at what was it, eight, nine o'clock. So I was trying to warm up, trying to, trying to kind of like be awake, awake. I was so tired. I cannot even tell you. I went into that. We did the dance first. 
So we did full on dancing. And then after the dance, I waited, I think it's about half an hour and then went in to do the scene work and the songs. And they kept asking me to do a song after song after song. And I was like, no, how am I going to get through this? Because it was so like, I was, I was thinking this is not going to come out. And it was, it was working, it was working, it was working. That was coming out, it was coming out. I did the scenes. I think I had to do the scenes a couple, a couple of times. I had to change the way that I did it. Anyway, I was, I was in that room trying every part of my body to look like I was awake because I was <laughs> so tired. I don't know how I did it. It was like really like so I've never been that tired in my life, but having to be switched on in the moment because I needed to get this gig. And yeah, and then so from then, I think from then on, that was it. And then... After that, we waited, I think it was nine days. Oh, such a long time. That. Yeah, it was nine days, I think, nine or ten days. And then when I found out that I got it, I was like, yes! It was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like, all that time I it paid off because I'd been touring, yet coming doing the auditions to learn the scripts, to go back and forward. It was so it was so hard. I've, I've done that. Yeah, I've never done anything as hard as that in my life. And then... And then, then, then obviously, then I got, I get the gig, I get the, I get Tina in the West End, and and then this is where the true work started because the script is 162 pages long, I think, and it's yeah, and so from me not acting with anyone to now me acting with everyone was incredible, was amazing. I didn't know, I I didn't know I could do it, and I did, and I did it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so much that you've just gone through there. So, so much sort of golden nuggets that you've just dropped in. I mean, as you've said, it it was clearly just meant to be the, the fact that for, for the first four auditions, it just kind of happened to online when you were, you had some time off. It was only it was only the final audition where you had to sort of move some stuff around. But um, yeah, I mean, you've just touched also on the fact that you know this was your first acting gig as such, or music, musical theatre gig. A lot of people that have done this this podcast, you know, they've come from different walks of life, business, people that have been in financial services. What has come up time and time again is imposter syndrome. You know, you've gone into you've gone into a particular environment, or you've done a particular speech, or I don't know, you've gone to a particular meeting, and for a fleeting moment, you don't feel that you quite deserve to be in the room, or you don't feel you quite deserve to do the the, the gig or whatever it is. Now you're, you're you're working with actors or music musical theatre um, people. Did you have any imposter syndrome even for the first couple of days or the first few weeks? And if, and if so, how did you push your way through that? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, I did, and I still like for me. It's I I, I still even say I'm not from that world. It's weird because I never went to any acting school, never went to any drama school, nothing. And so for me. I love everyone that I work with. They're so cool. And just being on stage with them, it's just, it, it takes you away from that, I think. I think when you when I go back and when I've not been in for a couple of days and I go in, it's like, okay, okay, wow. No, I'm doing this job. But because you're, you, you're in it all the time, you don't realise it. But then you do also, I do also think, wow, this is just little old me doing this. And it's, it is crazy but I always in me have got that drive to want to do more and 
to want to do better, um, better myself. I'm always wanting to learn, um, like no matter what it is, I think for me, it's once I've done, once I've learned that, well, I've learned that now, I know what that is. Like, let's move on to that now. But I need to, I'm like, I feel like I'm this kind of, I can't explain it. I just, I always want to learn new things or I want to do new things. New things excite me. So yeah, I suppose I get what you mean. Like in the sense of, I did feel very, when I did, when I walked into the room, when we was the meet and greet, I did feel very overwhelmed. Like, yeah, massively. And I get it from time to time. I think maybe because I've not been to theatre school or I've not been taught, I've not been trained and it's it's just me that's done it. So I've had to learn the hard way. I've had to have lots and lots and lots of mistakes. I've not had it taught to me. I've not had it. So, yeah, so I, I think even though I've done it, I've done it really quickly, but I've also been hard at work at it as well in the sense not, not not like no one else has been hard at work at it do you know what I mean I it's like I've not had anyone there to so there's no guidance there so whatever I do I could be doing something wrong and then I only find out that it's wrong because then I've done that and so I I, ha, I kind of find out the harder way rather than this so there's been no guidance I have to find that guidance myself so I think it's I think that's where it's the struggle of, of my side of it um, it's because there's not been any guidance there. I've not been shown. I've had to find that way myself. I've had to find what is right or what is wrong or, you know, or whether there is a right or wrong. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes there's really a right or wrong. It's just how somebody does something. But I, I do know and that I, for me, and I, I do know that I've got myself here. So I know that I don't want to change how I am because I have got myself where I am for my determination and to, for my my not giving in and my persistent and and that love for this and for striving and my dad, how he was and not giving up and not giving in to keep on. If it, if, if it doesn't work, even if you do fail, it's good to fail because you know not to do that again. Yeah. And I've failed so learning. many times. It's a learning experience, isn't it? You have to fail in order to learn. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've been speaking for an hour and that, that persistence, that, that resilience, it just really, really shines through. I mean, it's such a, so inspiring. And, um, you know, to get your first West End gig, you know, not, not only is it West End, but you also, you're being directed by Philida Lloyd as well. Is that, is that, so she's like a legend in the, in, in the musical theatre space. She's Tony and BAFTA nominated uh, I think for for Mamma Mia and some other things as well so that was also huge you know to have your first gig being directed by her my gosh that's uh, such an amazing thing and you've, you know you've come almost full circle because I think it was back end of last year that you you won best female lead in a musical right at the Black British Theatre Award so how was that for you how, you know what kind of uh when I got the email through I was like, hang on a minute, this is wrong. This, <laughs> again, the same thing again was like, no, this is, this is, I actually thought like, this is, this has got, it's the wrong person. So I couldn't like, I absolutely was, I can't even tell you how proud of myself 
that all that hard work that I put in clearly showed and clearly shone through and it clearly showed that when you do put the hard work in and you do love and it's massively about this love thing I do emphasize on that because when you love something you'll do what you can to do it and I think that's what shines through and I love what I do I love being on stage to give other people that feeling of what I'm feeling um and what these these are different emotions you feel and this roller coaster of emotions and Tina definitely in this musical definitely gives you that. And I want to capture all these highs and lows. So everyone else feels that what I'm feeling. And I, and from winning that award, that proves for me that I have done that and I've captured that. So yeah, it really, honestly, when I, I didn't know, I didn't think that I was going to win it because there was Harriet from Matilda and Matilda, come on, is amazing. <laughs> that show is great. And she's, I've seen um, clips of her before and she's incredible. So I, I didn't think that I would win. I was just so happy that I was even nominated, you know, and it was even up there on the TV screen and even them saying my name. I was just super happy. And yeah, and then for, yeah, so for them to, to even say, and the winner is, I was like, ah! I was like, it's too much. I was like, wow, this is mad. I was like, yeah, it's for me, it's like from everything that I've been through to, you know, from all the experiences that I've had is just built it up, you know, to this moment. And, and it was it was great. It was the best feeling ever, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you've been sort of 20, 25 years in music. Um, and I guess initially you started off wanting to go down the pop route, have a pop career. But why didn't you go for the musical theatre route earlier in your career? Um, I don't know. I just, I suppose it never really ever think because I knew that it was acting, I suppose, in with that. I suppose I never thought that, that was, that was my place. And I never really felt, I suppose, that I would be accepted in that side because I have tattoos. I'm, do you know what I mean? I'm very much like I didn't, but you know, I was welcomed very warmly. So yeah, I, I, you know, I urge anyone to, if they feel that they're not back then, you know, you can't have tattoos and you can't have that. It's good. But there's so much now you can do. But I cover my tattoos up. They all covered up. You would never know that I had any. I do definitely urge definitely younger kids or whatever to come and see the shows and to, to do these things. Because it is, it's not even just being on stage, it's backstage and the lighting and the stage management and stuff like that. It's so much fun. Like, they work so hard, wardrobe, wigs, everything is such a well-oiled clockwork. It's it's amazing. It's really interesting and fascinating to watch, not just with us on stage, it's with every everyone else that's involved in it. You know, we can't we can't do what we do if there's no lighting, we can't do it with no sound. So all these people, you know, everyone in their own departments have such a major role to play and it just brings everything together. So yeah, I mean, doing the music business I think that was always going to be in my heart I'd always love to to sing I always love to make music and I still do now but for me now I you know I I want to go into tv and and film I you know I'd love to be everyone always says probably but I love to be a marvel character (laughs) (laughs) brilliant okay fantastic well I'm sure that will happen 
Well, one, one question that we do ask everybody that comes on the show um, to kind of round things off is, and I guess you've kind of, you've kind of answered this already, but how much of your success do you think is down to one of these three things? Um, luck, hard work or talent? Yeah, definitely hard work. You can, everyone is talented in their own right, but you, you know, you have to put the work in, otherwise it's, it's pointless. Great stuff. So have you signed up for Tina until 2025? Is that right? Or No, I've not. Oh, I'm I at, yeah, so I've that's my two years. I'm leaving, actually, this is publicly now, I'm telling you, my last date will be the 22nd Saturday of June, I think. Oh, of June. Okay, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So have you got have you got something else in the pipeline that you're moving on to or This is true Alicia Paul Moses style. You've got to take a risk sometimes and you've got to be out in your comfort zone for things to grow and that is exactly what I'm doing. I I want to move into TV and film and I'm excited for what's to come and I've got an amazing agent now and so yeah, I'm buzzing for for what's to come. <laughs> so exciting I, I, I'm I'm, ex, I'm I'm really excited for you and uh, <laughs> it's been great great talking to you and you know all the best for the future and you thank you so much thanks so much to Alicia for coming on the podcast as we learn more about her story making it in her 40s and then getting up from not back she realised that she really is the perfect person to play Tina Now, did you guess the name of Tom that she just casually name dropped in the interview? I was like, Tom, Tom. And then I realized the Tom that she was talking about is, of course, the one and only Tom Jones. Now, if you haven't seen Tina, the musical, and you want to catch Alicia in particular, make sure that you do so before June, because she did say that she's leaving the show in June and that you don't get caught out because she does share the role with another singer. So please, you know, if you want to make sure it's Alicia in particular that you want to see, do check before you book uh, that she'll be performing on that day. As usual, if you like the interview, please subscribe or rate the show. Hit us up on the socials at How I Crushed It or send us an email to howicrushedit.com and catch you on the next show. <laughs>